thank you for taking the time to listen to this life-changing message from the ministry of Faith Bible Chapel. We hope this message will encourage you in all parts of your life. At the end of this message, you will hear more information on how to contact our church family, as well as directions for you to visit us for any of our worship services. Until then, join us for the service in progress. This series we've called Essentials, or Four Keys to a Growing Faith. And really, these four keys are about God's promises to us. God's promises from His Word that He wants for you. Because I believe He has a life for you that you don't even realize He has for you. For one, His thoughts are always higher than yours. His dreams are always better than yours. And His plans are always more significant than yours for your own life. And one thing is true, is that God is all about people. For God so loved the what? The world. Now, he wasn't talking about dirt and trees and mountains. The world, he was talking about people. Everyone say people. He was talking about you. And he has made available promises that are for every person on the planet, for you and for me. And the purpose of the church, which is you and me, is for us to understand those promises, to believe them, and to allow them to permeate through our lives, through our whole lives. Not that just we would have head knowledge, and I could tell you what chapter and verse. Listen, listen, you can know a lot about Scripture and not know God at all. The Pharisees, the Sadducees in the Scripture, well, they could tell you everything about Scripture, but they missed God when He stood right in front of them. I'm not talking about head knowledge. I'm talking about heart knowledge for us to demonstrate the character of God Himself through our church and to our world. And for us as a church, as a leadership team, We've been praying about what God wants to do in and through our church. We've been seeking him because we believe we're in a new season here at the church. We, not just as a new senior pastor, but we're in a new season, a, a, new, a new spiritual geography that we need to respond to what God is saying. And so I was greatly challenged as, as we were processing this, and we wanted to come up with something that was succinct and, and made sense because, you know, everyone heard stuff and, you know, uh, you know, American Airlines, we do what we do best, and all these little cool little taglines, and we, we won't have a jingle song, just so you know, we won't have that. But we were really seeking God, Lord, what, what, are, what are we to be as a church? And we were greatly challenged. I was greatly challenged by God because I felt He was wanting to bring a holistic approach to who we are and to your life as well. And I began asking the question is this, what is the purpose of the church? Have you ever thought of that? Have you ever thought as you come to church on Sunday mornings, what is the purpose of the church? If Jesus is the leader of the church, and we said he is, what does he want? What is on his heart? What does God want for every person on the planet and every person in the church? And what does he want to use the church to do on the earth? Those are the questions I want to answer. Not what do I want. Not what do you want. Not what do the leaders want or the elders want. That's not, no, 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 no. That's the wrong question. The question is this. Jesus, what do you want? What do you want? 
I believe the church is to embody his heart, his purpose, his mission, so that it would be evident in our lives and that we can begin to impact the world around us. Do you know this? Do you know that impact looks like something? Do you know that? Man, I could stand up here all day long and just and tell you, boy, we're impacting. What does it look like? What does impact look like? What does, what does the church transforming our community, our nation, and the world actually look like? Besides a bunch of words. Besides a, an overly tan, chubby person with this shirt untucked telling you that this morning. What, what, what does it look like? But in order for the church to make a difference in the world, the church, you and I, must first allow God to change and make a difference in us. At every season, when God begins to do something on the earth, He doesn't prepare the earth, He prepares the church to do the work. So what are these promises that God has for you? What are these promises that God has for the church? What does God want for every person who walks through these doors of faith, Bible, chapel? What does he want their life to look like? What does this love of a father who sent his son to give his life for you, what does the manifestation, the the working of that life look like in your daily life? Does it look like a a life of compromise? Does it look like where where you say you're a Christian, but but you, you look like everyone else around you? What does a victorious Christian life, the promises that God has for you, what does it look like? What are the promises for every person that are here today, for you, for your family, for our nation, for the world. And so I'm going to lay out today these four promises that I believe God has really spoken to us and really helped us come, come up with some, some language for us to be able to communicate this. And the original promises of God for every person had actually been, been in existence for 3,500 years. For 3,500 years, God was wanting to do something in your life. How many here would say, I need God to do something more in my life? Okay, this is good. This is good. We all need more of God to do something in our lives. And we are committed, and I'm committed to God, to go with you on this journey, to allow God to do things in my life as well. To pursue all that God has for us in the coming days, in the coming months, and weeks, and years. More than 3,000 years ago, God made some promises to a group of people that were called the Israelites. And those promises continued to stand and continue to stand in the heart of God. And everything that he wants to do in your life. And he has some offers on the table to you today. He has some promises for you. He has some promises for your family. He has some promises for your life, for your friends, for your neighbors. And I'm telling you, for this church, he has some promises, and they're on the table. And so what is this about these promises? I want to read to you. Uh, Let's read out of 2 Peter 1, verse 4. He says this, God has given us his very great and precious, say this with me, promises. Well, 
what for? Why did God give us his promises? Well, Peter goes on to tell us, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. It doesn't say that you won't be in the world. It says you will escape the corruption of the world caused by evil desires, our flesh. And we're going to participate in his divine nature. Man, I want some of this. So the promises of God that he gave for you that are in his word are to help us participate in the divine nature of God and escape the urges of our flesh? That's what it says. What this is meaning, I think that many of us are probably participating in things that are not of the divine nature right now. Participating in things, and chances are really, that are not divine. Meaning a lot of Christians are living actually very natural lives. And I'll tell you this, God never intended for you to live a natural life. He never did. He intended for you to live a supernatural life. And so when I say supernatural, I want you, I want you just, to, just, just to catch something for you for a moment. Most people think, well, that means work, heal the sick and raise the dead and give pro, you know, prophetic words and words of knowledge. I, I believe in all of those. And I believe they are for today. But I also believe that that's not the core. Matter of fact, Jesus said, you, you do all of that and, and you say, Lord, Lord. And I say, I don't know you. So what is, what is he talking about? I'm talking about the supernatural life in your heart first and foremost. Anger. Do you struggle with anger? There are, there are natural things in your life. Bitterness, gossip, out-of-control emotions. I'm talking about the supernatural life that isn't those, that is fruit in the, of the character of God, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I'll take some of those. Paul says, actually, in Corinthians, man, you can prophesy and have all those gifts of the Spirit, and if you don't do them in love, they, they are like a noisy gong. Anybody here ever been around a noisy gong? I've been around them. I have. They, 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 they flow in those gifts of the Spirit. I think it's wonderful and great, but the, but the problem is they do not flow from the Spirit and which from the one who gave them, which is God. They don't have love in their lives. I want to participate in his divine nature. I want to escape from the evil desires of my flesh. So how do I do this? I do it through his promises. So what is a promise? What does God promise us? Here's the promise. What is a promise? A promise is an offer with a guaranteed result. Man, that's pretty good. It's a promise. Promise is an offer with a guaranteed result. God has an offer on the table for you, for all of us, for every person in this room, for us as a church. And I want you to hear this. There is more on the table than what you even realize. There is more for you than what you even realize. What is on the table is in the form of promises. And we, we're going to do our best to pursue and to realize 
these keys in our lives for us as a church. You might be thinking, well, maybe those promises are for someone else and not for me because God doesn't keep his promises with me. Yes, he does. Listen, people will break their promises with you, and I'm so sorry, and I know what happens. Family members will break their promise with you. Church leaders will break their promise with you. But I'll tell you this, God will never break his promise with you. He'll never do it. God does not break his promises. Joshua says this in chapter 21. He says this, not, all, not one, not one of all the Lord's good promises to Israel failed. Every one was fulfilled. And we are the children of God in Christ Jesus. And this is our promise as well. God, that not one of your promises is going to fail. I'm believing it. I want you uh, just three quick things about God's promises. And I'm going to move through these quick so you better have your pens ready. Are you ready? Something you need, you, you, you need to understand about the promises. First off, you need to know his promises. I need to know his promises. What are they? What are the promises that you need to anchor your faith? That when you go through a financial time, you, you, find, you struggle in your finances, you can find a scripture that says, I, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread. God, I'm believing that for you today. Or if you have a, an issue with your health, you find the scripture that says, by his stripes on his back, I am healed. And you believe those promises. When, you, when you're traveling or going somewhere, you, you can access the promise of the Word of God that says this, that He will be with me and bless me in my coming and my going. He will keep me. You pray that over your children, especially your teenagers when they get their driver's license. <laughs> Lord, I believe you're going to be with them and they're coming. Those are your promises. And you, you access them. You need to know what they are. Secondly, you need to understand His promises. You need to understand them so that you know, how does this look in my life? How does this manifest in my life? This is why it's so important for you to read the Word of God daily, to have it in your life, to allow it to, to shape you and cut you and, 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 and heal you and comfort you and walk with you in life. I, I, can, I can almost tell you this. Any person struggling or going through a difficult time or having, having their emotions are all over the place and, and they're not... For the most case, not all the case, not all the time. It can be traced back to not a daily time spending with God. I remember Spurgeon said this. He said, a, bi a, a Bible that's falling apart usually belongs to a person who is not. You need to read it. You need to understand. Thirdly, and the, uh, there are scriptures underneath this that you can go back to and look, look at later. I need to pursue his promises. To look for him. Meditate on them. Pursue them. Don't let them go. God has four promises that he's been speaking throughout the Bible. They come up over and over and over again, and that's what we're going to be talking about today and then over the next three weeks after this one, we're going to be talking about these keys, these essentials that will help us grow in our faith every day and help us fulfill our purpose. And I want you to grab a hold of these with both hands. Don't let them go because God has more for you. God has more for you, my friends. And I think what, one of my jobs as, as, as your pastor is to, is to help you to see God has more for you. 
I can't, I can't make you access it just like you can't make me access God's purpose and promise for my life. But I want you to see God has more for you in your life. You are not living at the potential and place that God has for you. There are more promises on the table that you can access. Now, if you're happy with where you are, if you're happy with where we are as a church, if you don't want more of God and you don't want to realize all that God has for you, I I don't mean to sound rude, but you, you won't be comfortable at this church. Because we're going to pursue all that God has for us. Amen? We are. And the first place we we see these key promises is in the book of Exodus. And we're going to see these woven all throughout Scripture. More than 3,500 years ago, God lays out what he wants for all of our lives. His plan for humanity. All of the promises of the Bible center around these four. They are the heart of the other thousands of promises that we hold. These four are the the core. They're the hub of all the promises. They're the big four. These are the foundation of the promises. And I want to show you through Scripture that these keep coming up. Four key promises. And we're going to look at Exodus chapter 6. If you want to pull your Bibles out, you can turn to Exodus chapter 6. But what we're going to be looking at is these four, the four, what's called, the Jewish people call the four I wills of God. The Jewish people, they read this every year over Passover. And they're they're actually, they're they're missing the fulfillment of this, which is in Jesus Christ, if they do not put their trust in Jesus. But something to give a, a, a background of this passage, the Israelites are slaves in Egypt. They've been there for 400 years. They have been, they have been beaten. They have been used as, as slaves. They've been controlled by another master. They, when, when the master says jump, they, they, they have to jump. They have no say in what their flesh does or doesn't do. And those alive at this moment when this was written, they didn't know anything else but slavery. They were born into it. They, they didn't have an option to choose. They didn't have an option to even fight. They were just born as slaves, which is all of us today. If you're born into this world, you're born under sin. That's why you don't have to teach a child how to get angry, to bite, to slap, to kick, to steal, to be selfish. It just comes natural for those little pretty things. Because you're born with a, with a sin nature. And the Israelites were born into slavery. And so God tells Moses, he says, I want, God used Moses to bring them out of slavery. And he says this, I, I'm, I'm going to tell, I want you to tell them these four things. And I want you to underline these. Let's look at first, Exodus 6. Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out. Underline that on your notes. I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. This was God's first priority. Get them out from being a slave. Get them out. Get that yoke of slavery off their neck and come on, get them out. Now he didn't say, I want you to, at first I want them to change and then I I want them to to dress um, nicer. I, I want them to stop, you know, going to 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 the place they make bricks. He didn't say any of that. He says, I will bring you out. In other words, they belonged to somebody else. They were under the yoke of another master. They weren't under his yoke. 
And this is the first thing God wants to do. I need to get you out of your situation. Maybe you're in a situation this morning, but God's saying, I need to get you out of a situation. I'm not, I'm not worried about fixing you. I'm not worried about changing you. I'm not worried about what your life's going to be 10 years from now or how you should be or should not be. I just need to get you out. I need to start working in your life, and I need to get you out of slavery. The second thing he tells him is this. I will free you from being slaves to them. Well, I, I thought that's what he said he was going to do in the first place. He said, I will, I will bring you out. But now he says, I'm going to free you. I want you to just underline that just for a moment. Look at this. This sounds like God, he's already done this. I, this doesn't make sense. So, but God is saying, I already got you out of slavery. I already got you out of Egypt. But I need to still free you from being a slave. There's a lot of people who aren't slaves. There's a lot of people who have come out of Egypt. The yoke of the old master is not there anymore. That the yoke of God is on their neck and he's their master and his yoke is easy and his burden is light. But here's the deal. You still have a heart of slavery. There are these, these, these shadows of the days of Egypt. They were out of Egypt. But Egypt wasn't out of them. They were thinking wrong. They didn't know how to act. And we're going to study this key promise next week. The third thing that God reveals, one of his promises that he will do, is this. He says, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. This word redeem is so beautiful. It's so powerful. It means to put you back to where you were originally supposed to be. Listen, God, you might be a product of your past, but you are not a prisoner of it because the gospel that takes your, your past in account in order to articulate your future is not the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ severs you from your past and puts you right back to where you were supposed to be in the first place. The blood of Jesus, the forgiveness of God, his plan for you. Listen, he is, he is not intimidated from where you came from. He will redeem you. His original plan for you, his original thought of why he created you, why he knit you together in your mother's womb. You cannot make a mistake too great that God cannot redeem. Now, there are consequences to your mistakes, but God can redeem you and bring you back to the place. And you can begin to walk into this next journey, which is the fourth thing, to take you as my own people. God says, I'm going to take you as my own people. In other words, I'm going I'm to take you from being that people and make you a part of my own people. In other words, I'm adopting you. You're coming into my family. I'm changing your last name. I, I'm changing everything. about I, You belong to me. I'm going to make you my own people, and I will be your God. And then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptian. This one is incredible, this whole idea that you all of a sudden become a part of a family, that you begin to work together to accomplish a task. So he said, I'm going to bring you out. I'm going to free you. I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to take you and make you my own people, people group to do something great with. Another way of saying this, and write this down in your notes, these four essential keys. 
and you've heard a little bit about them this morning, God's whole design for us is this. My promise to you is that you can know God. I'm going to bring you out from your old master and place you under me, your new master. You're going to know me. Secondly, you're going to find freedom. I'm going to free you from the slavery that's still in you. I'm, I'm going to work in your heart. I, I, I'm going to get these, these, this brokenness that's deep down inside of you. You just can't seem. I'm going to get it out of you. I'm going to, I promise that you're going to discover your purpose. I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to shape you. I'm going to make you for a specific purpose. And I'm going to, I'm going to show you what that is. Yes, slavery and sin and pain and mistakes has, has made you into somebody you wish you weren't. But I'm telling you, I'm going to redeem you and make you into someone you never thought you could actually be. I'm going, I promise, I'm going to make your life make a difference. Make you his people to do something great with your life. These four, they're actually found in several places throughout Scripture. And this is just beautiful. You guys with me this morning? Are you sure? All right, good. It's found in Isaiah. Isaiah 61. It says, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. And actually what's so beautiful about this is that Jesus read this passage as he stood in the temple. And after he finished it, he said, in your hearing, these things have been fulfilled today. In other words, he is going to do all these things that this, this, this demonstrates here. I want you to pick out, see these four. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he, anointed, he has anointed me to proclaim good news. In other words, that you can know God. Here's the good news. You can know God, the God of the universe. Because you were poor, but he's going to proclaim it to you. He sent me to bind the brokenhearted, to proclaim what? Freedom for the captives and release the darkness from, from prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and to provide for those who grieve in Zion. This is, again, bringing freedom. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, to, bestow, to redeem them. The oil of joy instead of mourning. The garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair. And they will be called, they, the people of God, you and me, will be called oaks of righteousness. A planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild. They're going to begin to make a difference. They will rebuild the ancient ruins, restore the places that are devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. How, how many know here that the world could use some rebuilders in it? And do you know who's called to rebuild it? Us, the church, God's people. Again, this understanding of another way of saying this is that you can know God Proclaim the good news. You can find freedom, bind up the brokenhearted. You know God, but you still have broken areas in your life. You can discover your purpose. Put back on, the, on, on their heads the crown of beauty because right now you're covered in ashes. But I'm going to take those ashes and put on you. I'm going to redeem you, and I'm going to help you make a difference. God's people will be rebuilding ruins, bringing restoration, renewing cities. That's why Jesus called us and told us that we're to be salt and light in the world. And this vision didn't change in the New Testament. It's always been the heart of God for his people. Look at these two great statements from Jesus. The great commandment, which is 
Matthew 22, teacher, which is the greatest commandment of the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is, is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Here you have these two. You can know God, love God. You can actually have a relationship with him. Two, you can find freedom. How? By loving your neighbor. This is where you find your freedom. You can't walk this, this road alone. Life is like climbing Mount Everest. If you try to do it alone, you will, you will become frozen popsicle on the side of the road. You won't make it. We all need each other to find freedom in our lives. I have people in my life that, that speak into me, and I can go to them. And, and sh- If you don't have someone in your life that you can be open and honest with, I'm telling you, you're going you're gonna to struggle to make it. Freedom is found in relationships, real relationships, not fake ones. I don't want fake anymore. That's okay with you. Anyone else want fake? No. We don't want fake anymore. The church doesn't need fake people anymore who walk in and say, bless God, hallelujah, I'm good, and walk out and think, man, my life is miserable. We don't need that anymore. We need people who we can find freedom together. Then this other, the great commission, these two greats here. Jesus says this, there. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very ends of the age. Here you go. You can discover your purpose. You can go. You can do something. You can be redeemed. You can have a purpose. You can make a difference. Notice that Jesus sent them out as a group. Two by two. They were to go together. In other words, you have to be a part of a family in order to actually make your difference. And that's what we call here Faith Bible Chapel. Paul in the early church devoted himself to the very four things, these very four things that we see in Colossians. Are you guys with me? Say, I'm with you. I want to show you these four things because you're going to hear a lot about them over the coming months and years. And I want you to know the heart of them and where they came from. Colossians chapter 1, he says, He is the one that we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. In other words, you can know God. We can proclaim that we can know God. We can find freedom, admonishing people, encouraging them to move on to freedom, to discovering your purpose by teaching and equipping and making a difference by helping others reach their potential. These four are why we exist as a church, my friends. They are what God wants for you and what's once for the people around us. If someone was to ask you, what is your church about? This is what I want you to say. We're about knowing God, finding freedom, discovering our purpose, and making a difference. That's what we're about. You're going to see these words hung up in the atrium. You're going to see them on our website because this is what I believe God's called us to do. Now we've established these core promises. I want you to hear something as a prayer from Paul himself, but please take it as a prayer from me as well. He's writing the church in Ephesus. Because this first one, this understanding of knowing God, Paul writes this, and and the message beautifully communicates what the, the heart of this is. I ask the God of our master Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you 
intelligent, and discerning. Knowing him personally. Remember, this is, this is God's prayer for us. That your eyes would be focused and clear. So that you can see exactly what it is he's calling you to do. To grasp the immensity of this glorious way of life he has for us. Or his followers. And this first key is this. I just want to take just a few minutes. This first key and promise is that we are and can know God. This is God's plan for every person on the planet. Every person on the planet was designed to know God. Listen, they don't need to find religion. Nobody needs religion. They need a relationship with Jesus Christ. Listen, don't move past this. We can know God, but also this is our purpose that we can also make him known. We are joining with God to do something for him. The church, you and me, we were brought into his family to carry this mission that we help others to know God. First we must know him, then we must help others know him. People don't, religion, they don't want religion. They really, I believe they really want to know God. God himself is seeking after the lost in our community, in our world, on your workplace, wherever you are. He's seeking after the lost. Here's my question for us as a church. How are you joining him? Is your heart broken over the lost? And here's a challenge to you. Are you more passionate and have more conversations about something changing in your life that you don't like than you are about your lost neighbor, your lost friend, the lost world that is literally going to hell forever? What is God's heart for them? I believe, I believe with all my heart, if we spent half the energy praying for the lost, seeking after the lost, linking our arms as a church, as a church strategizing to reach the lost as we do trying to get what we want or spending energy on, on, on what we don't like at church or if something's changing at church or I don't like the new pastor at church. I believe that we would see God's pleasure. I believe that we would witness his heart being manifested in our lives and for us as a family in a way that we could never imagine. I believe that we could be white, hot, burning like a bright light that Jesus says you are a city that is set up on a hill. So shine, baby, shine. God's heart is for the lost to know him. It is his first priorities. His first priority. He first has to get you out, but he wants it to be our priority. So many times church has become this insulated thing. We run away to church, so we get away the bad, the bad world that's out there. What kind of defeated faith is that? As you saw that the mission and the commission of Jesus Christ... He gave the same authority that he had to his disciples and to you to go to the world. You preach the gospel. You cast out demons. You set the captive free. You deliver those who are oppressed. You do that. And we're like, but i got to get away from all of that. Well, how, how do you think you're ever going to do that? 
unless we recognize that God wants us more concerned with reaching those out there and getting them into the boat so we can disciple them than what we are right now. Now, I'm sharing with you something God's been placing in my heart. So don't think, man, Jason, don't come here and slap me around. I just came to church. That's not my heart. But I want you to hear God's heart this morning. I don't want you to hear my heart. I want you to hear God's heart this morning. God's heart is for the world to know him. This is his, his, his passion. And he's invited you and me to go on this journey with him. Here's, here's the reality. Some people don't like people. Some church people don't like people that don't look like them, don't smell like them, don't read the type of Bible as them. Actually, they're afraid of them. I heard a quote from John Maxwell. We were at a leadership conference, and he spoke, and it was beautiful. But he said, that, and he was talking about the loss. He says, he goes, he goes, hang on, hang on, pastors, just relax. He says, we don't have to be like them to reach them, but we do have to like them to reach them. I know this is challenging. I know it is. But I want our first priority to be God's first priority. God not only likes them, He loves them. He gave His life for them. I mean, get, catch, get this one. He likes you. And loves you. I don't know what that noise is. But he still likes you. And he loves you. He, God has dreams for these people that don't know him. He has plans for them. He, he created them with, with in, in, in his mind relationship. Everything else in God's plan requires a real relationship. You can't, you can't get free. You can't find your purpose. You can't make a difference in God's kingdom until you first know God, until you first leave that captivity, until you first take off the yoke or he takes the yoke of bondage off of you and you embrace his yoke. His heart is to reach as many as possible. I, I heard an illustration from a pastor and he said, you know, if it, it, he had actually lost his child, but I'll say it this way. He says, if you lost a child, and they were gone, and you still had three other, other children, you wouldn't say, well, I've got the majority of them, so it's okay. That other one really doesn't matter, because I have three of them. I mean, I, that's still good. Three out of four, not bad. No, no, you wouldn't, do, you wouldn't go on with your life. You, you wouldn't sit down and eat dinner. You wouldn't go to the movies. You wouldn't continue on as normal. What if the other three kids are, are worried about, hey, hey, what's for dinner? You say, what's for dinner? You, you, you've got a, a sibling that's lost. I can't think about what's for dinner. We got to find them. We got to go get them. Jesus said, I'm going to leave the 99 to go get the one. I'm going to go find the lost coin. I'm, I'm, the sick is what needs the doctor. The one, the lost, the sick. All of them, I want you to hear this, hear this from my heart. All of them are waiting for the sons and daughters of God to stop worrying about what's for dinner. 
and go after them. Stop, so stop. Yeah, but, yeah, but I, I want to eat. And there's an empty chair. Empty chair of a, of a person that you know is going to go to hell. And the heart of every person on the planet is a deep longing to know God. People are searching. People are looking. It's God's first priority. And he's left us with the job to reach them. Paul's first prayer in Ephesus was for people to know God personally. This is about salvation. This is about people knowing God. This is about people. It's all about people. It's about God's plan to save the world. This is, a, this is the, I want you to hear this. This is the first and highest calling of the church. Lost souls. Everyone say first. I, I want you to hear that from my heart today. And from God's heart, this is the first highest calling of the church is to reach the lost of the world. You should say amen and clap to that. Or I have to do it myself. Amen. Amen. I won't do that. It is to seek and save that which is lost, just like Jesus is. Proverbs says that the wise are the ones winning souls. Why is this the highest calling? I'll tell you why. Because people are dying and going to hell. Because they're lost. Because they're not at the table. Because heaven and hell are real. Because the Bible clearly defines it's a biblical mandate for you and I to be a part of reaching those who are lost. And we're committing, I want you to hear this, we're committing to make our weekend services a place where people will always have the opportunity to receive Christ. And that we can grow and know God more. You can bring your lost family members, your friends, your neighbors, and you can be confident that at the end of the service, there's going to be an opportunity for them to receive Christ. Our church has been strategically placed in this city for 50 years you are here to know God, and, and, and I'm grateful for this journey that we're on. But we are here to work together as a church to make him known. Do, do you know the city that God's placed us in? You know what it ranks in the top 100 cities of the United States, what, what they would call post-Christian, past the age of Christianity? where they, they, the majority doesn't know God, they identify as agnostic or atheist, they disagree that faith is important, they've never made a commitment to Jesus, they haven't attended church, they actually think that Jesus was not perfect, he committed sins. We, out, of the, out of the hundred in the nation, we come in at number 14. Right below Rochester, New York. God's placed us right in the perfect spot. Who wants to be in those cities that are mostly Christian? I don't. I want to be in the city that needs Jesus. I want to be a part of a community that says I'm committed to reach the lost. I want to be a part of people who stop looking at themselves and start looking, how do we reach them? How do we get them at the table? Because my life is going to be over one day. And I don't want to look back and, and say I made decisions because I wanted it, because it helped me. I want to build God's kingdom with him, and I want to build it with you. And I believe God has that for us. Listen, 
Our world is different, guys. Guys, listen, this church, Faith Bible Chapel, is in a different place it was 20 years ago. We are in a different, we are in a different city, a different location, different people, different everything. The spiritual geography of our city has changed. We better recognize it. The church and the public life, it has slowly been diminishing in our world. The church no longer functions with a cultural authority that it used to. It just doesn't. Trust me, I know when people ask me what I do for a living. And then I tell them and they're like, ugh. We are living in unique days. But I promise you, we are living in beautiful, powerful days. Because where darkness is... Light shines brighter. Where, where the message of hope is needed the most, the message of hope is received the most. You and I are in a strategic place. We're not going to be fat cats and we just, we just roll in on Sunday. We've just been reading the Bible all week and we left reading the Bible all week. We were in th- Listen, the world doesn't need another Bible study. The world needs you to do what you learn in the Bible. That's what it needs. That should be a bigger amen. (laughs) The world needs you. Not head knowledge. Heart knowledge. What do I look like to the world? And I'm committed to help you on your journey. All four of these things, we we can grow in every single one of them. We can know God more, and we will. We can find more freedom. I mean, we're all broken, and we need more freedom. We can all discover our purpose. We all need God to redeem us and help us to walk out what that purpose is. But we we all can make a difference when we link arms with each other. God never intended you to, to, to make the difference by yourself. He called you to be a part of a local church, and that is what we are. We are a local church called Faith Bible Chapel, and I'm honored to be a part of this family. We are placed in this city to be a refuge to the lost, to help those who don't know God the bound who don't know freedom. But this first thing, they have to know God. And we're committing to resist the urge of selfishness as a church. We're committing to pray for the lost. We're committing to celebrate the mission of of outreach to the lost. We're committed to teach and to equip. How do we share our faith? Or what what do we do? And how does this look like in our own lives? We're committed to help you along that journey. We're going to do our best. We're committed to have services that, that the power of God confirms and shows up because the word is being preached. We're committed to seek the presence of God through worship so that people here can go along their journey. We're committed to create small groups that are not just about focusing on one another. They're about reaching, finding freedom together so they can reach others outside of their own community. Not to do small groups in the church, but to do small groups in the world, at people's homes, at at different coffee shops, wherever it may be. You are called to be a group of people that make a difference. God has promises on the table, my friend, that we have not realized yet. And I want them all. But here's the thing. All these other wonderful things that we, that we want and think would be wonderful, without the first thing, you must know God. 
Salvation is not about church attendance. It's not about Catholic or Protestant or denomination. It's about a relationship with God. A lot of people associate their, their salvation to relationship with the church. No, no, no. It's about your relationship to God. Then God calls you to be a part of a church, no doubt. And here's my question to you, to those who are here. For one, for those who know God, are you willing to partner with God, to have a burden with God, to reach the lost with God? Are you willing? We need God to change our hearts. I, I understand. Uh, yeah, I'd love to, Jason, but, you know, how, how, do, how, how do I love the lost when I don't love the lost? I understand. But we're committed to walk this through, to, through together and to allow God to cultivate in us a passion to reach those who don't know him. But this is a question to someone else here today. Do you know God? Do you know him? Can you say for certain today that if you died, you'd spend eternity with him because you know him, because you have a relationship? Not because you go to church. I'm so glad you're here. I'm honored that you would come here today. But, but this church can't help you. But Jesus Christ can. He came for you. He sent his son for you. He gave his life for you. He wants to bring you out. I believe God stands at the door this morning out of Revelation chapter 3. It says, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And if anyone hears my voice, do you hear his voice this morning? Can, can, can you feel your heart being pulled by him saying, you don't know me, but I want to know you. I've been following you all the days of your life. I, I know everything about you and I still love you. Do you sense him knocking on the door? The scripture says if anyone would open it, he would come in. And he would live inside of you. We hope that this message has spoken something personal to you. If you would like more information about our church family or service times, please call us at 303-424-2121 or visit us at our website, www.fbci.org. Faith Bible Chapel currently meets in our Family Worship Center, located on the corner of 62nd Avenue and Ward Road.